0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Reaching the Summit podcast. My name is Todd Buckingham. You can find me on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod, and I'm joined today by...
1: Zachary Dash, and you can find me on Twitter at Zachary Dash. I'm Greg Steeman. You can find me on Twitter at Greg Steeman.
0: All right, gentlemen, I wanted to start out this week with... Just a little bit going through the standings, and I'm not going to name off where every team is. Basically, we've got South Dakota State and Oral Roberts with a a little bit of a lead over kind of the whole pack, except for Omaha and North Dakota. And so what, what I wanted to ask the two of you is we're about halfway through or at least halfway through with uh, most teams. Are Anyone you're surprised by, good or bad, who do you expect to rise or fall in the standings? Who do you think is right where they should be? Just kind of what what little tiny recap of the first half and what what should we expect with the second half?
1: Well, I think Denver's a big surprise, you know, Huge. partly because yep. we really didn't know what to make of them, but to be four and five in the league and, you know, right in the middle, I mean, it's kind of hard to look at these standings because everybody's played a different amount of games, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have the exact winning percentage in front of me, but you know, the fact that they've won four games that could technically put them in third in the league, you know, by a number of wins. And so, and the fact that they're doing it with a lot of freshmen too, I I think that's incredibly impressive. I, you know, they just, um, you know, I just really appreciate teams that don't beat themselves. Right. We've seen some teams being, you know, playing down to their level of competition a little bit here lately. Um, that never seems to happen with Denver. You know, nobody's, nobody's told them they're not supposed to win games and be good right off the bat. And I don't know, they're just going and playing and making plays and winning games. Like they're just, they're, they're not having off nights. Really. Their level of consistency has been probably the biggest surprising thing. Um, right. and they're just kind of going about their business. So they would be, that'd be the positive surprise for me. And, um, you know, on the other side of that, I, I think, uh, NDSU's inconsistency has been sort of the biggest surprise for me just because they've played so much basketball together. You just wouldn't yeah. think you'd think they'd be kind of past that. Um, Maybe there's other behind the scenes reasons for that. You know, obviously we don't know everything that's going on, but I'm just surprised at their, you know, just how their energy can wane sometimes. Um, I, I would maybe want to stop short of saying their efforts waned just because you just, I think that's a pretty serious accusation, but um, it's just sort of been an odd situation for NDSU kind of all year. Obviously they've had a number of things with the greasel thing and, and then now the Grant Nelson thing. So there's a lot of legitimate things in there, but um you know, hopefully they're past all that stuff too. Um, So, but obviously they ended with a great win at at Earl Roberts. So,
2: yeah, I'll just follow up on that. I'm in agreement with Denver and and I think Todd's alluded to this on some tweets that that they just play with such great effort and energy and had a chance to watch watch a fair amount of their game at Kansas city. and, and, And they, they, in my opinion, they efforted their way through, you know, uh, what it's like to play against Kansas City, especially on their home court, and got a right. quality road win, um, and 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 then, and then just destroyed Omaha the other night. And I and I am in, in agreement with NDSU. Um, they perplexed me at times on offense because of, you know, I, I just want to quantify this the the, the right way. Um, you've all, as a coach, you always talk about you know play defense at a hundred percent or a hundred miles an hour, play offense at sixty miles per hour. But but offense also involves um, you know sprinting into your screen situation, uh, change of pace, change of direction, um, you know a sense of urgency, you know a sharpness and a and a and a and an effort on the offense band that. Allows you to be hard to guard, and my concern about NDSU is that when they've struggled, when they've been average, they are not hard to guard. Um, the, you know, you don't have to be a good off-the-ball defender to defend NDSU when they're not playing with a high energy level on the offensive end, and things along those lines that that concern me. Now, uh, credit to Dave richmond and his staff to get his guys ready. And uh, play a, a great game at ORU and find a way to win, and it took a, a another Sam Griesel buzzer beater to, to yeah. accomplish that. But throughout the course of the game, and I did the game earlier at home, and I believe it was Indiana State, where I I was amazed at the level of energy that NDSU played with on the offensive end, and that means you know their movement without the ball, and and things along those lines that allow them to be really hard to guard, but What I I have not seen from NDSU is their ability to to do that consistently and be a team that understands that my work without the ball is just as valuable as my work with the ball. And if they can put that together, they become a very, very good team. And Grant, Grant Nelson has been out for a while. Andrew Morgan may come back. Both of those guys may come back, but your personnel package coming back does not guarantee you anything unless you play with a sense of urgency, especially on the offensive end. I mean, well, defensively you always have to, but offensively it's just as important to, to play smart and hard without the ball. And I think that's one of the things that NDSU has to do if they want to become a factor in this, if they want to find a way to become a, a team that that genuinely deserves a top two seed. Uh, because I, you know, to this point, South Dakota State and Oral Roberts have separated themselves even though NDSU beat Earl Robertson down in Tulsa, so um, that that's been a, that's been a little bit of a surprise. Kansas City being four and three, getting a sweep at home, uh, that's big. And uh, and then I, South Dakota or, or, excuse me, University of South Dakota is a little bit intriguing. You know, the fact that they yeah. were able to go into St. Thomas and get a quality win, they're on a roll right now. And and we can all talk about the teams that they've beaten, but the fact is they put some W's on the board. They've gained some confidence. And um, I think they're continuing to improve. And they're always solid on the defensive end. And the last team I'll address is Western Illinois. It's a little bit surprising, you know, to, to go into St. Thomas and get beat the way they did. Um, quality, great road win at North Dakota State. But then I, I was a little surprised they weren't able to compete with South Dakota State on their home court, right. um, as good as South Dakota State is. But I still think Western Illinois, with their top seven, I they're a dangerous team. So they, they've been a little bit of a surprise, maybe in the negative direction, but everybody else kind of, they are where they're at and, and uh, we'll see what happens. But to this point, let's not discount the fact that South Coast state has shown that unless, unless there's some injury issues, unless there's some, some rotation issues, unless there's some things that we can't foresee at this point in time, they have separated themselves from this league. And I mean that I, uh, um, they are, they are, they are playing a very, very high level right now.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really have anything to add from what either of you guys said. The only thing I'll mention on North Dakota State, you could say it's the Nelson and Morgan injuries, but that offensive inconsistency was there before either of them were injured, either. And and so, and Western Illinois, I'll just chime in with what you said there, Greg. It's the same thing as North Dakota State. It's like one game. Okay here they are and then the next game they it's they're a completely different team and so both those teams can be dangerous but that I just don't understand the inconsistency with some pretty veteran players on both teams
2: and Todd I'll just add to that i I think you hit the nail on the head with those two teams Western and North Dakota State you know their inconsistency lies um, in 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 probably, probably what their approach is at times. Uh, Western Illinois, how can you argue their non-conference success? North Dakota State, um, granted they had to, they had to overcome some things with Sam Griesel being out, things along those lines. But I still get concerned about their offense. You know, when you go, when you go almost eight minutes or even more than eight minutes at Kansas City. Now we all know how Kansas City guards, but to go eight minutes and a 21-0 run.
0: Right. Yep.
2: That that's to me that's concerning. And yep. and it's something that a team with that much talent, especially offensively, those are things that cannot happen if you want to compete for a summit league championship. Plain and simple.
0: Yeah. All right. I just want to get a little bit of a feel for that. As you guys both said, it it's a little weird because we've got some teams with nine games in, uh, other games with seven or six. So but we are closing in on what should be the halfway point. There's just going to be some teams that are going to have to jam in um, some games because of missed games. And I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast, but I'll say it again even if we did. A lot of leagues are not trying to find a way to make up these games. I just am so impressed with not only the Summit League exel- itself, but the members themselves on just making this happen so we have an even playing field for everybody.
1: Yeah. We're really going to have to keep an eye on the travel of these teams because normally travel is not a factor at all, but, you know, we may see teams, you know, play Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, and, you know, some at home, some on the road. I don't know. That's going to be fascinating to watch and just to see if there's a cumulative effect of all that. Uh, We haven't really penciled it out, but now, you know, with some of these makeup games starting, it, it could potentially be a factor, kind of some odd situations, coming up here with, you know, UND going on the road to South Dakota, South Dakota State, then South Dakota turning around and going right back up to UND on that Monday. So,
0: um,
1: I don't know. I mean, what the heck? Let's play them.
0: Yeah, yeah, South Dakota has kind of one of those weird, I don't remember exactly where, but a home game here, then a road game there, three in a week. Um, But even that kind of thing, the South Dakota official Twitter account when they rescheduled the game said yes let's do it kind of thing versus Mm -hmm. saying you know and i know they wouldn't say this officially but fans will complain about the the travel part of it and i just appreciate that the teams are getting the message out there like we want to get these games in we're not going to complain about how it happens
1: what a great deal for the players man all they have to do is play games they don't have to practice
0: yeah, t- true. Yeah. If my kids could never practice, they might even like basketball even more. That's true. That um, echo a deal. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I'll, I'll just echo that, guys. But at the same time, the, the credit goes to the league, as both of you al- have alluded to. That's why these kids came to these institutions is to play mm-hmm. games. Right. They came here to compete. They came here to 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 settle things on the floor. And I think it's going to make for a, a flourish of a finish. To the summit league conference standings because as of this point every game has been rescheduled Right. and we're getting to the point where the, the 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 latest variant if that's what we want to refer to it as is working its way through everybody and and my understanding is usd's cancellation or postponement with West, was with western illinois was not even covid related it was right. a, a flu type situation so i think we're getting to the point where most of these teams have have probably gone through all of this. I do think all the games will get in and who can handle that? Who can handle the, you know, fewer practices, more games. And when you when you talk about that aspect of it, who has the more experienced teams, the teams that understand what it takes to get to where you need to get to. And uh, so even though there's a gap between one and two in the rest of the league, who handles all of the adversity in the best manner possible? And typically, it's going to be the teams that have the most experienced players. And at the same time, you're looking at teams that have fourth and fifth-year players. Can you keep their interest? I know that sounds crazy. I, I know it does. But it's different when you're a fourth and fifth-year player or maybe sixth, whatever it might be, if you, if you redshirted. But um, there, there are guys that fight for every minute they can possibly get. And there are guys that who, who know they're going to get certain minutes in a game and and do they still have the same edge and energy that it takes to compete for a conference championship? So there are so many dynamics right now. I think this is one of the toughest positions that we've put coaches in, in a long time and, and who can handle the, the set of circumstances that everybody is dealing with right now in the best manner possible. Those are the teams that are going to be, be ready to go when we get down to Sioux Falls and try to settle this all in March.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, to, to to talk about something that's specific um, to a team and if we're going to try to nitpick here, I mean, obviously, South Dakota State, if we're trying to find a, a reason why they could go sideways, you know, maybe it's playing seven or eight guys at the very most, but having to play, you know, three, four games in a week or so with travel mixed in, you know, does a situation arise where They're not able to play at the level that they're accustomed to because fatigue sets in or whatever, you know, I don't know, all these unforeseen things. And obviously they have to play three games in three days anyway in in Sioux Falls. So just a a lot, a lot of intrigue here. But um, I'm just like, like, like you guys said, just really glad that we're playing. And um You know, the the regular season is kind of one thing, but it is all about that conference tournament. So I just hope that every team arrives at that conference tournament, no matter what has transpired in the regular season here, just healthy and dialed in. Like that's, I think, the most important thing here.
0: I tend to fall where Greg was going with it a little bit. It just feels like we're about to get over the hill. I suppose that's not easy to say since, what was it, March 2020 that – what, was 30 days to stop the spread or whatever um oh 15,
2: 15. oh is that what it was yeah it was <laughs> so 15 anyway, don't
0: forget that undershot that by just a little bit but uh, <laughs> uh the uh but at the same time like it does feel like you know we had that rash of cancellations and the there like you said greg the south dakota one was not um covid related it was it was flu related and Coach Mills missed the game against North Dakota State, but from every indication, that was not COVID related. Not COVID. Yep. And so I, it, it, I'm an optimistic person as it is, but it just feels like I'm so glad we made these games up because I think we're we're over the hill and let's let's just play some basketball once we get them all in in the next two weeks.
1: All yeah, right, yeah. you sunshine pumpers. I need to I need to point out something. We're basically <laughs> kind of. Like holding the line here because there's not really many more days to make up games. I think UND <laughs> no, is already is- UND is making up a game before like a Class B regional tournament, so they're playing it at like one o'clock
0: in the oh, afternoon.
1: Sure. Do what uh, you gotta do. And, and there's not going to be any TV coverage or anything like that. Uh, so if they win, I'm probably out of a job <laughs> but uh <laughs> the, but 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 no so like just just pointing out the fact that hey, it was great that we had all these opportunities to make up games, we we're just about out of them yeah I
2: agree, and if anybody ever wonders when we record these uh podcasts, uh Buffalo just went up three on Kansas City with a minute fifty four left, and uh they're kicking off to the chiefs now we'll see what Patrick Mahomes can do in the last minute fifty four
0: Been a heck of a day of foot day and a half of football. Oh man, NFL will be doing okay next season. I think. I think they'll get some viewership.
2: I agree. agree.
0: So let's go into the games from from this week. We talked. North Dakota State beat Oral Roberts, lost to Kansas City on the road. um, Beat Oral Roberts on the road, um, and then Oral Roberts lost to North Dakota State. Beat North Dakota. We kind of talked about. North Dakota State's inconsistency, which was what I kind of wanted to talk about with them. So I'll move to Oral Roberts, but feel free to chime in on anything North Dakota State we didn't talk about. Um, obviously, Max Asemus is an incredible player, um, one of the best to ever play in the Summit League. It feels like to me that they're not going to be elite unless there's somebody else. He doesn't have to do it all himself. Well, Do you guys think they'll develop a number two scorer, a consistent number two scorer, just the way they play – it is what it is, and Max is going to have to carry the load.
2: Well, um, Max is going to have to carry the load no matter what, and, and we know that, and he's done that in years past. But I, I think what you know, and you know, where they're sitting right now, at seven and two, and their losses are South Dakota stay on the road, tight game, uh, yeah. NDSU at home, uh, amazingly tight game. It took a great play by Sam Griesel, and so. I think they're playing pretty well right now. I think they're a much better defensive team than they have been in the past. And so that helps them out. Uh, The other thing that you look at is there are a number of weapons. You know, we talk about a the Weaver. We talk about Blatzis. We talk about a a lot of other guys. I think what they have to do right now is it's second player by committee. If they want to continue to be successful and who's good on a certain night, um, and, and I think, you know, t- to get injured players back, they've done that. So I still think they're playing at a high level. I th- I, I think AceMus allows them to be an elite level team at the mid-major level. So, you know, kind of, that's where I'm at right now. I don't know if you have to pick one guy that has to step up. I think they have to do it by committee. And they also have to understand that, you know what, they become better defensively. There's a ton of value in being a good defensive half-court team.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to have a, a, a number two option and it's not designed to have a number two option. And I don't think they really even care about having a number two option. I think if they don't have a number two option, they're even more dangerous. And here Tyreek Hill goes into the end zone, seven points, Kansas city. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, no, no, but, 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 but seriously though, cause like they want to keep teams honest, right? They want to just put the ball in Max's hands and let him cook. Right. That's right. the whole point. And if if they do that, then teams have to kind of play them straight up. If they have to play them straight up, there's a greater chance that Max gets free. And there's a greater chance that, um, you know, the defense has to play them straight up. So what they want to do, yeah, put the ball in Max's hands, let them break down the defense and find where the help's coming from. And yeah. that person then becomes the option. So the, I I think they actively do not want a consistent number two option because they want the defense to have to play them square. So, um, and and so I... I, I don't know. Uh, there, there's a lot of that. That means there's a lot on Max. That means there's a lot on Max. Um, and I I'm I'm a little uh, I don't know if I want to say concerned for Oral Roberts' sake or what, but there seems to be kind of a pattern developing here for Oral Roberts with this last weekend in terms of how they're defended. I mean, clearly, yeah. clearly you want to run them off the three-point line, right? I don't think that's really any revelation, but it's really starting to show up in the stats. Uh I, I think, you know, so they they shot eight for thirty-one from three against NDSU. And then against UND, they shot uh six for sixteen. Right. They're averaging 12.2 threes. So both of them are pretty significantly under their three point makes uh on the average per year. So clearly the blueprint's out there, right? And so if your whole offense is just relying on one player to make plays and the everybody else to play off of it, um that makes it much more difficult to adjust to, but this is the path they've chosen and it's not going to change. And so, I mean, in terms of offensive game plan, it's just put the ball in Max's hands and let him read it. Um, I'm a little surprised there's not more pick and pop involved. You know, that's not really been a huge part of what they did this year. And that was a big part of what they did in the, in the conference tournament last year. Right. Um, but I don't see a ton of adjustments coming. I think it kind of is what it is. And, you know, this is a game, but this is a cat and mouse adjustment game throughout the course of the year, right? You know, Oral Roberts is supposed to adjust, and their opponents adjust, and Oral Roberts adjust, and their opponents, and their opponents have adjusted, clearly. And there's a pretty yeah. good blueprint out there. I think the, the game tape out there for UND and NDSU against Oral Roberts is going to be viewed by everyone. And their, people are going to try to replicate that. And so what's Oral Roberts going to do? I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, and they shot fifty-seven percent or fifty-five percent, something like that, from two against North Dakota State. But mm-hmm. it just, yeah, it. Like you said, if you can take away the three-point shot, you're you're gonna have at least a good shot to beat them. And for those that didn't see the end of that game, it was pretty incredible. You had Max after going one for ten on the day from three, hitting a three with a hand in his face. With uh, seven seconds left or something like that, and then Greasel driving, hand in his face, hits a hits a runner, and then uh, Oral Roberts does a like a hook and ladder type play, and Max had another good look that just went back iron. It was it was a crazy finish to that game. So if I ever tweet out from the Reach Summit Pod Twitter account, get to this game, it's getting good. I, I don't take that lightly. Find your way there, and and hopefully by next year there will be some sort of Easy way to get to everything. You're not going to six different websites.
1: Yeah. But. but but you touched on something important there. NDSU's effort against Oral Roberts. Like, you want to talk about a team that had to have a game?
0: Yes. The day ever.
1: Had to have that Oral Roberts game. I mean, coming off of losing against two teams in western Illinois and Kansas City who are supposed to be below them in the standings, losing that game. And then this weekend going into two very difficult games as South Dakota and at South Dakota State, man. I mean, if you start to think about it, if NDSU had dropped that game, I mean, it could have been five in a row, five losses right. in a row. And I mean, yeah. who knows what that looks like? But they got that defensive effort. And I was very concerned about NDSU in terms of how they were going to guard Oral Roberts because they don't necessarily have a player who's particularly suited that starts to guard Max a. Smith. He's just he's kind of a bad matchup for them, and and quite honestly, NDSU is a bad matchup for Oral Roberts on offense at a lot of positions too. Um, but man, they answered the bell, and again, guarding the three-point line, making them put the ball on the floor, and then you know taking their chances with the help-side defense, getting over there, and daring Oral Roberts to finish over the help-side defense. Um, but man, I just I really wanted to point that out. I know sometimes we like to nitpick at NDSU, but. All in all, the fact that they went on oral, uh, to Oral Roberts' gym, played good defense, ran them off the three-point line, and got that win on the road despite being in the midst of adversity is incredibly important and, and really yeah. impressive for NDSU.
0: It gives you a yeah. little bit of that feeling of, that's you know, it's the same thing with the summer League tournament. Like, when they need it, they sure find a way. And They so-
1: do. It. And, and that's, you know, it's funny. As you guys were talking about NDSU. And I think Greg really did a great job breaking the thing down of what's going on. You know, in my mind, it's almost like, you know, sometimes teams who are really experienced, it's kind of hard to keep a sense of urgency when you know, this is all just going to come down to the conference tournament and you know that they can flip sure. on the switch when they want. Um, So is it, a, is it a time to panic or not? Or I mean, are they just literally just counting on the, the days of the, the conference tournament? I don't know because um, well, nothing's well, being that, decided in the regular season. So I don't know. I don't know. That was just kind of a thought that kind of popped into my mind is not to necessarily make an excuse for them, but I'm just trying to make sense of what we're seeing, you know? So, right. Well, both of you guys make really good points.
2: And, and one of the things that intrigues me is, is just the, uh, um, even though you're a one bid league, I just don't ever think you can sit back and say, well, we'll take care of things in the conference tournament. And and I'm not, I'm not criticizing anything or disagreeing with anything you guys said. Part of me says the reason North Dakota sits at, at North Dakota state sits at four and three right now is because of their slow starts. I mean, how do you get down that big to South Dakota state and come back and, and then not have enough? How do you get down that big to Western Illinois? I mean, this has to matter to you. This has to say, you know what, we, we, we cannot afford these types of things. And and even though you're, you have an experienced team, you have zero room to take one thing for granted. And because there are so many good coaches in this league, there are so many good teams in this league. And NDSU, from my opinion, you know, from my standpoint, from my viewpoint, has no room, has zero room for error when it comes to preparation, when it comes to effort, when it comes to toughness, when it comes from uh, – starting a game the right way that they cannot afford anything uh from here on out they cannot afford a lack of focus or a lack of effort or lack of toughness from here on out and you have fourth and fifth year guys and um that that's that's my thing but it goes back to this winning a single college basketball game is really flipping hard winning Back-to-back games is is even more difficult. Having a winning season is really really hard. Having uh, 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 consistent winning seasons is amazingly difficult. I just think that message has to be continually preached, and and at the same time, you you want to believe you have the right guys that don't have to have it preached to them night in night out. So I I know I'm I'm getting on my soapbox here, but I, I just think that NDSU, they can still make a big run here, but, but it has to not be so much on coach Richmond's hands. It has to be on the guy's hands. It has to be on their most experienced players hands to say this, you know, we cannot accept um, mediocrity and uh, with the talent that they have. And, and as, as a, you know Grant Nelson or an Andrew Morgan are able to work their way back into the lineup. That's great, but I, I I'm I'm on my soapbox as a former coach right now where I'm going, God darn it, effort toughness that has to come from the guys at times and and so um, we'll see how they handle it and but at the same time that also applies to every other team in the league. We'll see how they all
1: see how they all handle it.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, I mean there's no question NDSU has a chance to go on a run. Just like the Buffalo Bills, who went through a little adversity and now are <laughs> on the AFC Championship game. 36
2: 33 with. out of the AFC Championship game.
1: Guys, we're, we're nothing if not flexible, right? Yeah. Right. We'll break down exactly. the Summer League. We'll break down the AFC Championship game. We'll tie it all together and put a ball on it.
0: Yeah. I was waiting for someone in this game to play defense. That <laughs> I almost
1: interrupted, Greg. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the. Uh, so. On to – well, I want to say one more thing on North Dakota State. Just to your point, Greg, like the difference between the three seed and the four seed and not – the longer you wait to play South Dakota State and the longer you hope someone else <laughs> can take them out in the tournament, like that's yeah. a big deal in yeah. this tournament. It's like – it. I hope well, that – and I don't think – we don't have any reason to believe that's what they're thinking, that that it's just – let's just wait till the tournament, but – at the same time, like, yeah. I We're spitballing
1: trying to make sense of what we see. You know, right. if anything else, it should be uh, very important for NBC to get that second seed because they're deeper than South Dakota State. They're right. probably going to be a tad more fresher in that conference championship game. That's an angle that they have to play. But, but you know, I mean, it, I, I think we're going to continue to talk about this, that, that situation, because yep. clearly it's not going away.
2: We, we will. And the last thing I'll throw in there, South Dakota State, though, at eight deep, and I, I'm crazy probably, but eight de- being eight deep is so much better than being seven deep. South Dakota State is a solid, solid, solid eight deep. The reason I say that, you look at what you know what, what, what their bigs have done and, and their perimeter, I, I don't know. They they are a solid eight deep. They don't drop off much at all. Right. And uh and nope. and the thing I was thinking about earlier today when Trying to prepare for this podcast, which I've never prepared for anything in my life, but (laughs) it's avoiding key injuries is going to be so, so, so important down the stretch of the Summer League conference race.
0: Yep. Yeah. And getting healthy on North Dakota State's part. So, on to North Dakota. We had to talk to them a little about them a little bit and just what games they had played. Oral Roberts in Kansas City. They lost on that stretch uh this week. One of the interesting things in, in the in the second game against Kansas City, Brian Matthews, 16 points, 7 rebounds in 22 minutes. I wanted to ask both of you guys, you both as a player and a coach been in this situation, you probably take some lumps playing freshman here. And frankly, North Dakota doesn't have a lot of options right now on who to play. But does this bode well for the future to get Paul Bruns the amount of minutes he's playing? Matthews is now having to play with Sucre out for the year. Is, is that going to help them grow going into next year and going forward?
1: Well, that's, that's Paul Saylor's formula. That's exactly what he did at Black Hills. That's exactly what he did at Northern. I mean, at Northern, it worked out so well that all his players end up transferring to division one schools. Right. And so, I mean, that's clearly what he's most comfortable with. That's clearly how he's most comfortable building his program. Now, the problem is, you know, the point guard should be Tyree Ianacho, right? And so that's the caveat here. That is the one thing that can derail this is if, you know, people make misguided decisions or, or whatever. Um, but I, I really do think that this group of freshmen that they have, I think they're kind of, you know, they view the situation a little bit differently than the previous regime. So, I mean, I, I clearly think that, I mean, you look at a guy like Paul Bruns, I mean, what does it do for your program to have established that you're going to have one of the best scorers in the league for the next three years? You know what I mean? How does that help you in recruiting? How does that understand what players you need in this program? I mean, part of the problem, if you, if you, um, and we're going to overtime, Unbelievable. It's yeah, I, <laughs> I spoke too I soon. Know. There's no more parallel drawn to NDSU now. Um,
0: Somebody has so, to make a defensive play. Jeez,
2: <laughs> this is so fitting but, for our podcast, though. I'm too, yeah. This is so
1: fitting. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but but no, I mean, but like, to, to NDSU, like you need to know, like, what, what UND has been struggling with is just like direction. They need to know what direction they're taking this thing, and with a guy like Paul Bronze and even Reed Grant or Brian Matthews, you know. I'm a big fan of that Gavin McGrath that they're redshirting. He's a big kid and he's going to play a lot of basketball for them. And you may bring in Tracy and Eagle staff. Like if you don't have the foundation for your program, like what Paul Bruns is, you don't even know the type of players you need to put around him. But now this is so much easier to say, Hey, come and play with one of the best scorers in the summit league. You can get him the ball or you can rebound for him. You're going to be open because he's going to get double teamed. What have you like, And you understand where everything is going now. It's like an NFL team without a quarterback, right? You don't even know what direction you're going if you don't have that foundation. I think the bright side is these guys are playing hard. They're staying healthy. They're getting better. Paul Bruns is getting everybody's best shot on defense now. He's not sneaking up on anybody. And he's still producing. So as long as these guys can stay healthy and they have a good summer and they come back next year, I have reason to believe that, you know they're they're gonna be a good team because that's the Paul say they're special. Right. You know that's exactly what he does. Well, and, and I'm gonna
2: echo so much of what you said. But in recruiting these days, the recruitment effort right now is almost maybe fifty fifty. Yeah, are you recruiting the new guys that you want to bring into your program? But at the same time, are you recruiting the guys? that you hope will stay with your program.
1: Yeah. And it's
2: such a, an interesting dyma- dynamic, a paradigm shift in so many ways that, you know what, listen, you wanna be here, here's why, here's who we have coming in, here's what our future looks like. It's just changed so much because of the portal and because of, you know, the, you know society's approach of, you know, you need to be happy now. you need to have what you want right now, but I, I, I really do believe that's true. You have to be able to not only recruit new players but convince the existing players that listen, this is the this is the place that you want to stay, and here's why. So uh, I think it's
1: a it's a it's a shift in so many ways, especially on the recruiting front. Well, you just wonder how long is this irrational exuberance gonna last for the transfer portal, right? I mean, we've talked about this several times. I'm a huge proponent of being able to transfer and not sit out. I think that's incredibly important. Um, Even it's almost like a civil rights issue, right? But it's rarely the right decision to transfer. Like that's kind of so. I'm gonna kind of speak out of both sides of my mouth here. You should have the right to, but it's rarely the right decision. And how do you? get that information. You know, part of the issue, these kids can't even get the right information, but at a bare minimum, now there's enough information out there where look at how many kids aren't even coming out of the portal. I mean, going in and not finding a scholarship. Yeah. Look at how many kids are making a lateral at best move and look at this very small fraction of kids that are taking a step up. So you're going to have to use that as context for what this whole process could entail. So, but anyway, I mean, I I know we're kind of getting off track here, but the long story short is in Greg's right too. um, This is how Paul Sater likes to do it. However, it's much harder now. And there's also ways that he can maybe short circuit it a little bit by bringing in, you know, probably a point guard this off season and kind of facilitating the whole situation. What can he do to support those freshmen that have put in all the time this year?
0: Well, and and I had texted this to you guys also, and rarely am I this open with something. I, you know, I'm not a fan of any team particularly in the Summit League, but when I watch Omaha and I watch North Dakota, it looks like that those are the two teams that, that last spot is going to come down to. And I just would rather North Dakota make it. Like, I want to reward the team that – puts in the effort, and Omaha, they'll they'll have a game here or there where they come out and play, but they, they just no-show too often. They, they don't see that with North Dakota. In spite of how much of a struggle it's been, I, it's almost a kudos to Coach there on how hard they are still playing with the way it's went this season. I mean, it's, and,
1: it's, been, it's been absolutely everything but winning. Absolutely yeah, everything but yep. winning. At Kansas City, at South Dakota, I mean... That all Roberts, it's just really, really incredible. But, I mean, it, and we can jump to Omaha, too, you know, since you no. kind of brought it up because you I don't know how else to characterize that other than no-showing. I don't yeah. know, like, college programs, that doesn't happen to them a handful of times a year. Something's going on. I don't know what. I know that Darren Hansen didn't forget how to coach basketball. And, and Greg, I'm really curious to get your take on this because it can kind of it can, it can be applicable to a number of situations in this conference and, and also the conference too. But so what is the role of the AD in all this? Like, what does a good AD do in a situation where, you know, look, you don't make it to this level unless you're a very, very good basketball coach. So what, like in, in your experience, in your opinion, what is the role of the AD and do in a situation where of Omaha, where something is wrong? Something is wrong.
2: Zach, that's a really good, that's a, that's a great question. And I think it's, it's invaluable to, you know, to think about that because, um, in a, in a school that doesn't have college football, guess what the biggest hire is. We all know it's, it's the men's basketball coach. And what you can do if you come in there and and say, if you can be supportive, you can say, listen, I've got your back. Listen, you you have you have done a ton of positive things for this institution with with how you have uh, coached your team, how you how you've recruited the right guys, and 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 put yourself in position to compete for NCAA tournament berths, whatever it might be. And Darren Hanson has done that. Um, I think it's a fantastic question. I think the AD plays a huge role in that. You can support your guy. You can say, listen, I've got your back. Go out and do it, I'll give you latitude, I'll give you room, whatever it might be and uh, and 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 just trust that you know, you know what no matter what you're gonna be a, you're gonna be my coach next year. So I have no idea what the new idea at Omaha is is doing or how they're handling things, but it it plays a huge role uh, because outside of being the head football coach at a Division one institution. If you don't have division one football the next highest you know most impactful hire you can make is the the men's basketball coach and who knows what the rationale or what the motivation is behind that particular ad's um approach to the whole situation and my concern is as both of you guys have alluded to you only know is, I don't know, their, their effort, their approach in some games has been, I don't know, it, it, it hasn't reflected what Darren Hansen has done throughout the course of his career. The guy is really well thought of. He is highly regarded in the Summit League. He's done so many good things. But, yeah, it concerns me, and, and, and it, it, bothers me, it bothers me in a lot of ways. And, and, Zach, I think you bring up just a great point because of that.
0: So, So, Greg, I want to ask a follow up question to that real quick. If you're the coach and the AD says, All right, whatever you need, I'm, you know, you're here next year. Do you almost want to go the Western Illinois, and I know they both change coaches, but the Western Illinois Denver route and basically say to the team, We got as many open scholarships as we need next season. If so, you're either here or you're not. And or do you almost want to start over or do you want to see how everybody responds?
2: Todd, great question. And, and I think the thing that I respond to that, the reason I respond to that in this way is I say, as a coach, you say, what can I, how can I do this thing the best way I can do? Not necessarily the way anybody else wants me to do, even though it's the AD who controls my future. It's like, how can I put the best roster in place that allows me to be successful because I can coach them the right way because they'll respond to me as a coach and do what I want them to do because I believe that's the best way to be, be successful in the Summit League. I I just, I the, the funny thing is I can relate to it so much because I received a contract in the Minnesota State College and University System that, you know, a two-year contract, you can only get one two-year contract in your career. And that basically means, you know, I'd really like to fire you, but I'm going to offer you a two-year <laughs> contract instead. Right. And and, and, I, and I dealt with that. And I remember sitting with Brad Bigler, who is now, he's won his 200th game at, at Southwest Minnesota State University, which is the, uh, more than anybody else did. But I he and I sat in my office and I said, Brad, I'm not smart enough. Smart enough to do this the way anybody else wants me to do it, I have to do it the way I can do it uh, and, gotcha. and, and we 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 found a way to do it the right way, but the a d plays an extremely impactful you know role in this whole situation do I support you or or is it this listen you have to do this or else and if Darren Hansen has already realized that, you know what, the or else has already happened. What's he supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think um, it's a great question. I wish I had a great answer. But those are the dynamics in college athletics. Uh, the AD, you know, pulls all the strings. And in schools without football, the men's basketball position is the most high-profile sport that they can make a hire for. And uh, sometimes they give you the shortest, shortest leash. And that's unfortunate for a guy like Darren Hansen, which you, Zach, and myself all think the
1: world of. I mean, you just never know what the AD, where their mind is, you know, sometimes they want to bring in their own guy, which isn't fair. The problem is like this, this gets to be a really uncomfortable situation for everybody because I mean, look, um, this is big boy basketball, Right and people's careers are on the line and, um, and nobody wants to have this conversation, but if the coaches don't have this situation, then it falls on them. These players have to perform. There's no getting around it. And this is not a charity. And if they don't, they have to get those players off the team. Like that's the worst case scenario, but it, there's no other way around it. Like, Sometimes you make recruiting mistakes, whether that's fit or skill level or whatever. Sometimes things go sideways, and you know what's really what's really happened with recruiting is it, it's 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 sped it up. It's sped it up. So there's no more four-year horizons. It's just on a year-to-year basis. That also means you can turn things around in a year. That also means that things can turn around in a negative way in a year. That's kind of sure. what we've seen happen, you know, to you and you and Oral Roberts. Look. They, All the kids that should be starting are transferred and playing at other schools. Um, Marlon Ruffin, I I think he's actually having a pretty good year at Portland. Yeah. Outside of that. Yeah. Outside of that. Not much. Right. So kind of a similar situation to UND. Everybody loses. So is this AD going to have a, the wisdom to look through the situation and be like, all right, this is what we need to do. We need to make this adjustment to, whatever the, the assistant coaches are, are, and these are the things that we're going to do. And we're going to identify these players or when you get you the resources to get these players and get things back on track. But clearly there's a misfire, but I'm just, I'm very curious to see how uh, that AD handles the situation. Cause I really don't have a good feel for that. Right.
0: Yeah. No, I, I don't really either. They're one of the more quiet fan bases on Twitter and just in interaction with us in general. So it's harder to get a feel. All right, so we've got 15 minutes left or so, so we'll have to kind of go fast through, but I want to get to as many teams as we possibly can. Um, I'm going to go to Denver next just because we've been talking uh, with Omaha there and and a team that's maybe disappointed to a team that has really, uh, I think, been pretty surprising, four and five in the league, um, really doing some good things one of the things that I think is the easiest way to build a great mid major league is to hit home runs on each coaching hire. I think Western Illinois, given what they were before and given what they've been historically, kind of did that with Rob Jeter. It sort of looks like Denver did again to me. Do you guys feel the same way? Does it look early on like Denver hit a home run on this one?
1: I do. And the key is, I think both ADs were very self-aware of the strengths and weaknesses of their university and program, right? You know, yeah. how how is somebody going to win at this school? What type of background are they going to have? What's the most applicable situation to our situation? Who's had success there? Now, obviously, going and getting an assistant coach at Stanford, there's a lot of parallels there between Stanford and in Denver in terms of recruiting areas and type of kid. And, you know, these, he's seen it done before. And Western Illinois, obviously, Coach Jeter, at, you know, at Milwaukee, things like that, that whole region, he knows that whole area well and, and has had success. And so you're able to kind of short-circuit the the conversation, the decision by hedging your bets, by seeing what's been out there before. That's the best thing about hiring at this level is, you know, Coach Wilburn, he was a bit of a risk because he's, you know, a first-time head coach. That's, that's yeah. very atypical. Normally, you're able to see who's – uh, been out there and had success before and and so you know hiring misses at this level are very kind of rare um, and and I think both these these schools did a very good job of not just going out there and say all right who has the most wins then come coach here right. but it's just about who understands how to win at a school with the strengths and weaknesses of our school um, guys
2: uh, Zach you make great points By the way, I will, you know, full disclosure, I hate search firms. (laughs) Isn't that the job of the AD to
0: have
2: five names in his desk drawer to say if and when this job opening happens, here's what I'm going after. Um, But that's why I still think the three of us should start a search firm and make so much money that, you know, we, we don't know what to do with it.
1: But at
0: the same time. I mean,
1: who could afford us?
0: Could exactly, them?
1: very few. I could Google just
0: like, with the best of them.
1: Yeah. That's the problem. Nobody could afford us, probably. That'd be yeah. my guess.
2: C- couldn't agree more. But when you look at Rob Jeter, is there a better hire for, for Western Illinois, a guy with yeah. name recognition, a guy who gets it, a guy who has shown he's a winner? Um, I still think, I mean, even though I, I said, hey, they're perplexing, I think he's a great coach. He's a great fit in okay. Summit league. It was a fantastic hire. And Denver, at the same time, you know, you look at, um, he comes from Stanford. Denver is that—is that profile in this league. And he has found a way to, to bring in a group of guys that play their tail off. And I i, I think the most impressive one they've had is the one on the road at Kansas City where they, where they outfought Kansas City's toughness. Kansas City's willingness to foul and whatever it might be, but that that was a great win for that program. And uh, and then they turn around and and just absolutely annihilate Omaha. Um, I I I think I think this league has some really really good coaches, and I mean up and down up and up and down the entirety of of the yeah. league. Uh, John, you know John Tower, who has come in with St. Thomas. I think the guy is a high-level coach. Um, we look at Eric Henderson, we look at Paul Mills, we look at Dave Richmond. We look at so many guys in this league. Um, it, it, it's it's a well-stocked league when it comes to coaching knowledge, without question.
1: And yeah. The the one thing I just add to it is, you know, one of the most important things all these guys have done they've went on got good assistant coaches that are experienced, that are connected, that are able to find players. I mean, that's how Western Illinois was able to put together this roster, the connections from the assistant coaches and kind of the same thing at Denver. So, you know, having high quality assistant coaches, that's something that we don't talk about a lot, but you know, is, is critically vital to any team's success. Zach,
2: I want to echo what you just said. You know, one of the, most secure things you can do as a head coach is to bring in strong assistant coaches. Insecurity in a head coaching position oftentimes leads to bringing in lackluster staffs, but a security in what you're able to do allows you to bring in strong personalities, strong opinions. Uh, and, and, and those things matter. Um, you know, from the strength of a head coach, if you are unwilling to bring in strong personalities and, and, and strong opinions, to me, that describes weakness in, in a leader. But uh, I thought I just thought you hit the nail on the head. It's it, it a credit to those coaches to say, you know what, I'm going to bring in high quality staffs, people that aren't yes men, but people that that I will respect their opinion at the same time. When we walk out that door, when we walk out that door, we are all on the same page. Even if we had disagreed like crazy behind the door, at the right. end of the day, we all have everybody's back.
0: Well, and you guys had mentioned Western Illinois. as It was kind of part of the question. I'll, I'll ask a quick Western Illinois question that I had. You know, we talk a lot about Baylor Shireman and Max Asmus for good reason as as the kind of two-way battle for player of the year. Are we forgetting about Trent and Mastner a little bit?
1: Well, for sure, for the newcomer of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he'll, he'll he'll probably win that. Um, but in terms of the player of the year, you know, I don't know. You know, Baylor and Max have a lot of equity built up. You know, mm-hmm. they have a lot of equity built up. They have two seasons worth of equity built up that Trent may not have. Uh, and they also are going to be on one of the best two teams. And that's that clearly, I think, carries a lot of weight with the voters as well, but yeah. I mean, you know, a couple more of these 30 point performances and um, you, you never know. I mean, injuries happen, things happen, you know, but he's, he's a, a finalist. I'd call him a finalist. That's okay. Zach, great point.
2: I'm right there with you. I had a chance to watch him in person as West Illinois came into Fargo and knocked off NDSU. Trent Mastner was th- this kid, was high level, and so is he in the conversation. Uh, Todd, without question, and uh, but you also mentioned both of you did. Uh, you look at Mac Taysmus and and uh, Baylor Shireman. Um, hey, they're probably the two front owners right now, but Massner is definitely in the
1: conversation. So my challenge to Western Illinois and their backcourt, as good as they are, particularly at scoring. How can they set up Will better? His yeah. production, Will production, it probably isn't where it should be. That's not his fault, right? I mean, he can't always throw the ball to himself, and <laughs> yeah. and he and and that is something I'm watching. In addition to their defense, I don't quite think that they're firing all cylinders because what that means is that you know I'd like to see it where it's like you know. 20 points for Master, 20 points for Carius, and then everyone else kind of filters in after that. But, yep. um, and, and I think they're finding their way too. You know, they're this is a new group as well, so forget about that. But I'm very curious to see where they're at in a month. Zach, it's yeah. a good point. West Illinois so and, and, is extremely talented.
0: And, you guys, uh, said, oh sorry, Greg, go ahead.
2: No, no, I, I was just going to say the more Master and Sandage can involve Carius in their whole operation. They have a seven-man rotation. Let's be honest; it's a very versatile rotation, but it's a dangerous rotation. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Sandage and Master both have a big piece in that,
1: without question. And I'll say, uh, Master's probably one of like maybe three players in the league that can go and win a game by himself. He yeah. does have that type of ability that, which is incredibly rare.
0: Well, and and I think with you guys answered the way I would have. And it comes down to with both Max and Baylor being on the top two teams in the league. But I also just wanted to bring up masters third in points in the league ninth in rebounding second in assist. Like the things that we brag about Baylor Shireman doing, he does as well. And so maybe not as well as Baylor does, but does those same things. And so like, he's just, he's a special player that we maybe haven't brought up as, as much as he maybe deserves. Mm-hmm.
2: He does deserve it. He does deserve it. And, and credit to him. And, uh, I'll echo Shireman's exploits and completely self-servingly because Matt Zimmer, uh, called me and we talked about it. He did an article on Baylor Shireman and, uh, everybody should go and read it on the, uh, Argus leader dot, you know, Argus leader website. Um, but Shireman is crazy. Yeah, he, he yeah, continues to do it day in, day out, uh, night in, night out, and it's fun to watch. And and I'm I'm pretty fortunate that uh, Zimmer allowed himself to uh, lower himself to get my opinion on the whole thing. So
0: <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll hit on <laughs> South, South Dakota State. We have talked South Dakota State a, a decent amount um, today, but I wanted to ask one question. Is To me, it feels like the deepest team as far as scores that could come and make plays as any Summit League team I've ever seen. And my time goes much shorter than the two of yours. I'm only really about five years paying really good attention. But I I have a hard time not believing that Matt Mims could come in and score at an an effective level if he had to start. Um, Alex Arians could win our senior of the week this week. After mostly being quiet most of the year, like there's just, they are eight deep on guys that will come in and, and can dagger you. Is, is it the deepest team the two of you can remember when it comes to something like that?
1: It's kind of an odd situation because, you know, with a seven man rotation, essentially maybe eight, I wouldn't call them a deep team, but they have guys like Matt Mims who could start for most teams in the conference. They have guys like David Winget who can't get on the floor who would play a lot for a lot of teams in the conference, you know. And so in that way they do have a lot of options out there and they just choose to keep that short leash on on the um rotation and you can't really argue with the results, you know. Against Western Illinois, 60% from the field, 64% from 3, 90% from the free throw line. Against St. Thomas, from the field, 55% from the three-point line, 90% from the free-throw line. I've never seen a team be wholly unaffected by whatever their opponent does to them on the offensive line. I've never seen it. Not Kansas City, not NDSU, not really anybody. Uh, (laughs) Defensively, they're solid. But it doesn't matter if they were awful on defense, they're still going to win every game. If they shoot 60% from the field. Right. And it's happened in too many games now for it to be a consistent for it to be uh, like an outlier. Like if uh, it, just like a hot shooting streak, you know, like they just make the right decision every time down and they combine that with being very skilled and man, I just, I don't, I've never seen anything like this level of offensive efficiency. Well, Zach and Todd, I, I'll I'll just echo
2: what Zach just talked about. They are as efficient offensively as anybody is in the league, and I think that it was a back-to-back game situation where Arians scored very few, and then all of a sudden, the next game, Arians scores 19. Uh, yeah. They go, they go where the hot hand is, and I will still I will still go back to Baylor Shireman. He is the guy who makes this team. Yeah. Um, you talk about their depth. I think they're a solid eight deep, which I'll go back to earlier in the podcast where I said being seven deep or eight deep, there's a difference. Eight deep is huge. Mims understands what his role is. Um, I'll go back to crediting Coach, Hen- Coach Henderson, under you know, getting Mims to understand that when you come in the game, here's your role. Shireman can do so many things at a ridiculously high level. Yeah, uh, Douglas Wilson, and and then you have, you know, the Apple, and 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 just their depth at the bigs that can come in at any, at any different time. South Dakota State right now, Sam's injury is far and away the favorite in this league, but. Hey, Douglas Wilson has sh- struggled to get into the conference tournament in a few years uh, previously, and um, but I, I I hope they get there fully healthy because yeah. I think the the league needs that the league deserves that, and uh, what they're doing right now is is really hard to argue
1: without question. I mean, the way I'd sum it up is, any defense thrives on being able to give less attention to one part of the offense so they can take that and give that attention to another part. That's more dangerous, right? Helping off of one guy. Cause he can't shoot three to help on another guy who does a good job, putting the ball on the floor, whatever you have to play SDSU straight up. And you almost feel helpless as a defense, because if the defense has to play the offense straight up, it's it's game over. These are college basketball players and they're going to score almost every time. Um, And so that's sort of the fundamental problem with anybody going against South Dakota State is you don't know where where to start because you can't give anything up. No. Zach, you make a
2: great point. Completely agree.
0: So I'll wrap up this week's episode. We didn't talk a lot of South Dakota. We we mentioned a a few things earlier, but I wanted to – ask they've kind of gotten back on track it, it looks like things are going the right direction they only played one game this week so they got kind of a gauntlet uh going um next week i think they have three games but they're they've they've won four straight after losing through three to start the season uh, in conference so my question is next year a.j plitzer returns after being out this year with an injury um and let's assume he comes back. He's the A.J. Plitzewite of last year. Where do you put the the Yotes? And, the, and, of course, we have no idea. Let's just assume everybody is what they are now, minus Douglas Wilson, who we know isn't coming back or whatever. It, it looks like they're starting to make a big run. Now you get A.J. Plitzewite back. How dangerous are they next year? We want to well, talk
1: about tough to guard. I mean, Mason Archambault and A.J. Plitzewite. Yeah. Right. Where do you, where do you start with your defensive game plan against
0: that? Bruce, I, Peril, Hunt. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then, and then, yeah, he, he gets to, to kind of more in a more supporting role, which is where he's more comfortable. And honestly, his production is probably going to go up. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you, you put that, I mean, it's all about guard play. Greg's talked about it several times. It all comes down to your guard play. Let's be honest. Like I even have to admit that. Right. And so it Um, and they're going to have two of the best guards in the conference. Assuming yeah. AJ puts AJ is AJ and so put him behind who? I don't know. I I don't know if you put him behind anybody. I you know, maybe there's a couple teams that are probably on their level, but I don't know that you necessarily put them behind anybody. Hey, great point, Zach. And by the way,
2: but you know, the fact that you actually said what Greg said makes sense. I take great pride in that. So thank you. <laughs> you know, but. But no, I, we usually I wait
0: till we're off air to say that, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: know, I know. So I feel fortunate, but um, I'm in agreement. Uh, you bring, you throw AJ Plutz-White into this lineup. Um, it's interesting, it's intriguing, and it's certainly elevating. And um, at the same time, I I go back to what they're doing right now, and have to give them a lot of credit. They are improving, their winning games, the games they should win. But at the same time, that allows them to gain confidence in what right. they're doing and, and growing as a team. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But you throw A.J. Flitzwhite into this group, uh, certainly a, a, a definite improvement because of the, the – the manner in which AJ Plitzwhite, not only could he dominate the game, he could dominate in a manner that elevated his teammates to oh, levels that great. that uh, that allowed them to be extremely su- successful. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, I'm I'm excited to watch it happen, and I can't wait till AJ Plitzwhite is is black, is back in the league.
1: You know, I just uh, got done uh, putting my kids to bed, reading them a story, right? One of the stories we read, the tortoise and the hare. It feels like South Dakota State is just the tortoise, whether it's this year or overall or whatnot. They just kind of stay at it, just gradually improve, just get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, and then you, the, the conference tournament rolls around and they're right there. You know what I mean? I feel like that's been their approach this year. And, and uh, you know, that's, look, they're they're well coached. The proof's in the pudding. I mean, players come and go, and they continue to hold that standard of how physical they play, how hard they play. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of programs that aspire to what South Dakota State does. That's the reality of it.
0: And just another example of a Summit League team that got the hire right. Like yeah. it just, yeah, it it's been a good run of coaches that that they've that they brought into the league, without question.
2: And there is no other broadcast. No other podcast that would bring the tortoise and the hare <laughs> into the into the discussion. But that's why I love Zach. That's why I love Todd, is because that happens on this podcast and this po-
1: this podcast only. And, and we just I have to think, show off our versatility, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> yes. Right. Show me another podcast out there that incorporates the AFC divisional round, the tortoise and the hare, Summit League basketball. <laughs> yes. What else do we do here? If, Where's if the Venn diagram? Got a bingo card if, here. If, if, there, if there's a big Venn diagram, we're in the middle of the of right. children's books, AFC, and then Summit League.
0: And I don't think, but I think Zach meant right before we did the podcast. Because if he read a story and watched the game and still did this, that's the most impressive um, recording we've <laughs> ever had. But uh,
1: I have no choice but to <laughs> multitask.
0: I mean, yeah. you do have a, you do have several children, so you get good yeah. at multitasking. But uh, yep, I have no choice. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, the the good news with, with cancellations, or not cancellations, but postponements, we've got basketball Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday this week. So plenty to consume. Um, and so we'll have plenty to talk about next week, more games than even usual. So until next week, we'll talk to you guys then.
2: Hey, Todd, thanks for all the work you do.
0: No problem. It's the funnest thing I've done. So.